Okay, so this week we read about the um, encounter that Yosef had with his brothers. And the Torah says that when he met his brothers, he told his servants to prepare the food. So the Medrash says, we learn from this that Yosef kept Shabbos. Because the um, word the Torah uses, v'hachin, you should slaughter um, animals and you should prepare them. We learn from the word and you should prepare them that, um, that this was a preparation for Shabbos. Because the Torah uses a similar language when the Torah talks about the mitzvah of Shabbos. Um, the Torah says you should bake whatever you, what needs to be baked, you should cook whatever needs to be cooked. You should prepare what has to be brought, what has to be, what has to be made on Shabbos. You should prepare it. So since the Torah says, you should prepare it, and he uses the same word over here, so the Talmud learns that the, uh, the discussion here is about preparation for Shabbos. So Malami, the Talmud says, we learn from here that Yosef kept Shabbos even before it was given. That's, that's what the Talmud, that's what the Medrash says. So on the surface, when you hear the Medrash, what do you think? You think that the difference between um, Yosef and his brothers is that he kept Shabbos. And among all the mitzvahs of the Torah, the mitzvah that he kept was a mitzvah of Shabbos. That's what it sounds like. You learn from here that there was one mitzvah that Yosef kept that his brothers didn't keep, and that was a mitzvah of Shabbos. But that can't be what this means. Why not? Because the, um, the Talmud says that even before the Torah was given, even before the Torah was given, um, our forefathers always kept all the commandments. They kept all the commandments before the Torah was given. So that means that not only um, Yosef kept Shabbos, he kept all the mitzvahs. And not only Yosef, but all of his brothers kept Shabbos too. Because we learned that, and Rashi, as Rashi says in Chulun, that not only our forefathers, but also, also their children, they received from their forefathers this behavior to keep the Torah. So the question is, um, why does the Torah single out Yosef as keeping Shabbos? When the truth is that all of our, all of our forefathers, including the 12 tribes, they all kept all the mitzvahs. So why is the Torah singling out Yosef and singling out the mitzvah of Shabbos. We have to say, say there's something special about the way Yosef kept Shabbos and something special um, about why the Torah alludes to his keeping Shabbos in this verse of all the verses. Why is this the verse? Why is the Torah specifically alluding to Yosef keeping Shabbos um, by telling us that Yosef um, prepared for Shabbos? There must be something special about that specific um, there's many things we do on Shabbos and many things we do before and many things we do on Shabbos about Shabbos the fact the Torah alludes Yosef's keeping of Shabbos with the words and he prepared for Shabbos must be something unique about this so there are those commentaries who say this they say that it should have been for, forbidden to keep Shabbos why? Because the, um, the Torah says that if a non-Jew keeps Shabbos, he gets a death penalty. That's why even when someone 
is learning to become learning to become a Jew, and they want to keep Shabbos as preparation for conversion. The rabbis always instruct them like, at least one thing you have to do to violate Shabbos. You can't keep Shabbos fully, and it's, it causes a lot of angst and frustration. They want to keep Shabbos, but no, the, the, the rules are rules. You can't keep a full Shabbos, and you have to at least turn a light on or something. I remember one person who wanted to convert and was very embarrassed. He said, I have to turn a light on. Mm. Yeah, it, 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 but that's the rule. You, they cannot keep a full Shabbos. So perhaps, says the Efeiter, what we're learning over here is, is that um, Yosef um, was allowed to keep Shabbos, even though the Torah wasn't yet given. Um, but according to that, the Talmud's phrase, the Medrash's phrase is, is, is not exactly, um, doesn't fit. The, the words of the Medrash are, we learn that before Shabbos was given, or before the mitzvah Shabbos was given, um, Yosef kept Shabbos. If the point was that Yosef wasn't Jewish and he still kept Shabbos, the, the, then the Medrash should have said, before the mitzvah was given to the Jewish people, Yosef kept Shabbos. What happened has nothing to do with the giving. What Yosef's, what's unique according to the Epeitayr about Yosef observing Shabbos is not that he observed, observed Shabbos before the Torah was given. What was unique about Yosef's observation of Shabbos was that he wasn't Jewish. And if that's what was unique, then the, then the Medrash should have phrased it as such. We learn from here that something novel happened, that Yosef kept Shabbos before it was given to the Jewish people. But that's not what the Medrash says. The Medrash just says, we learn from here that Yosef kept Shabbos before it was given. So we need to understand also, why does the Medrash add the words before it was given? It can't be, as the Efeiteir says, so what is the Medrash telling us? We know for sure the mitzvah of Shabbos wasn't given. No mitzvahs were given. This is before the Mount Sinai. This is before Mara. There were no mitzvahs given at all. So what's the meaning of the Efeiteir's, well, of the Medrash's words? We learn from here that Yosef kept Shabbos. Okay, stop there. Why does it add the words before the Torah was given? Of course the Torah wasn't given yet. What, what, what's, what is the Medrash adding over here by adding those words? So, let's understand a little bit deeper the meaning of keeping the mitzvahs before they were given. What does it mean you kept the mitzvah before it was given? So on the surface, this is the, um, in, the, in the halachic lexicon, this is gavra, not chefza. There are two parts of every mitzvah. There's a person who does the mitzvah, and there's the object with which the mitzvah is done. So before the Torah was given, it was impossible to sanctify physical objects. And so therefore, who did the mitzvahs? Who, who was involved in the mitzvah? Who connected with the mitzvah? The object of the person. Since the mitzvah cannot confer upon the world any holiness, the only one involved in the mitzvah was the person. The object itself wasn't changed. Okay. So when we say our forefathers kept the Torah, it means they personally kept the Torah. They did mitzvahs, but it wasn't that the world was changed. They, nothing was changed in the world itself. That's on the surface what the, what the meaning is of their observation of Torah. It was a personal thing. But what about the objects? So the objects weren't, weren't different. After the Torah was given, are the objects different? And the answer is yes. Even before 
you take a lulav and an esrik and do the mitzvah lulav and esrik, those objects are designated as objects with, with, with which a mitzvah can be done. Although you haven't yet done a mitzvah, the objects with which you do a mitzvah are unique in that they, you can do a mitzvah with them. So what's unique about the Luv and Esrik is not only that a mitzvah was performed with them, what's unique about, what's unique about a Luv and Esrik is that, you, is that they are different than all other physical things in the world that you can do a mitzvah with them. What makes a Luv and Esrik different is not only that you did a mitzvah with them, good morning, but also that it's possible that, that these are objects which are ru'uyim, which they are fitting that a mitzvah can be done with them. It's not just that a mitzvah is done, it's that it's possible that you can, you can make a change in these objects. That's what's unique about a lulav and an esrik. Um, as for listeners who just, just tuned in, we're trying to understand the words of the Medrash, which says that Yosef kept Shabbos if the Torah was given. Seemingly, all of our forefathers uh, kept all the mitzvahs, not just, not just the mitzvah Shabbos. So one explanation you might want to say is this. That you, you might say that Shabbos was different to all other mitzvahs before the Torah was given in the following way. A lulav wasn't special, wasn't designated as an object of a mitzvah before the Torah was given. Just like today, after the Torah was given, there's nothing unique about a lemon, because a lemon, there's no mitzvahs that are done with a lemon. So to an esrog had the same status before the Torah was given. Okay. But what about the mitzvah of Shabbos? Where it was a day of Shabbos designated as a holy day, it was a different day before the Torah was given. On the surface you would say, yes, God worked on six days. He rested on the seventh day. So therefore you would say that the, that the day of Shabbos is already, has already some, at least potential holiness. It's already a, a day that which a mitzvah can be done in it. It's something which, 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 which although there's, there's no um, mitzvah yet of keeping Shabbos, but nitna um, before the, the Torah was given, there was already something in the, mitz- in the day of Shabbos. So that's what the Medrash is alluding to by saying, that it wasn't at all given. Not only wasn't it given to us as a mitzvah, but it wasn't even given into creation. There was nothing that changed the status of the, of the day of Shabbos from the other days of the week. It wasn't something that made it, it wasn't something that was unique. It was a regular day, and there was nothing of its holiness that was conferred upon its time. It wasn't given to us. Was, we, did, did the Jews keep Shabbos? Yes, our forefathers kept Shabbos. But there was nothing about that day that lent itself to the observation of Shabbos. It, nothing about the holiness of Shabbos that was bequeathed to that, 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 those 24 hours of Shabbos. That's true for everyone else except for Yosef. This is the unique thing about Yosef. The Medrash says that Yosef had something different happen with him. What was different that happened to Yosef? Well, Yosef, the, Medrash, the Torah says that the day of Shabbos was different. Why? It says in the Torah, by Yechinu, Yosef told his servants, prepare. Why should you prepare? Because Shabbos is coming. So Yosef, because the Torah itself talks about his preparation for Shabbos, that indicates, not just it indicates, that creates, that creates a different relationship that he had with that day than everyone else. So because it's, it's the, the Torah actually, the, the Torah's words makes it important. Because the Torah talks about Yosef observing Shabbos, 
that itself makes that day a holy day. It's not that that the day itself was intrinsically holy before the Torah was given. It wasn't. Although Hashem rested on that day, yes, but it did, Hashem didn't give us what, what Shabbos is in heaven wasn't given to time and space. That didn't affect time and space. For everyone in the world except for Yosef. And how do we, and how did it happen with Yosef? We see this, the Torah itself says this. The Torah says that Yosef kept Shabbos. Because the Torah says this, as a Medrash, we learn that Yosef had Shabbos before it was given. That his, in his 24 hours, there was something different. This reminds me of um, the Alter Rebbe's discussion about um, uh, keeping Yontif in a different, when you move, go, let's say, to Israel, and this, you, have, you, have, you come from outside of Israel, you have two days of Yontif. So the Alter Rebbe presents an argument in Shulchan Arach about how Yontif works. And he says that Yontif really is something beyond time and space. Shabbos is beyond time and space. It's just that in this specific time and space, Yontif is given to this time and space. But it's not intrinsically, intrinsically connected to time and space. Hashem gives something which is beyond time and space into, in Los Angeles, He gives this experience too at the 426 as it was this past Shabbos. In, in Los Angeles, but um, in, in Melbourne, it was, it was a whole different time. This otherworldly thing that was beyond time and space is given into, the, into time and space. So the there makes the argument that if you are um, coming from outside of Israel to Israel, so you wouldn't have to keep um, a second day of Yantiv because it's not Yantiv for you because it has to do with the specific place that you're in. Does the time, does the holiness affect that time? Um, same, uh, and conversely, um, actually no. So if you're if you're if you're in Israel, then it's Yantiv, so it's it's Yantiv for you too. Um, Altar is talking about someone who goes from from, out, from from Israel to outside of Israel. If he goes outside of Israel, so they have two days of Yantiv. There's something about that time is different. The, the holiness of Yantiv affects the time outside of Israel, and therefore, although they come from Israel, they only keep, won't keep one day of Yantiv. They have to keep two days of Yantiv. So it sounds similar over here by Yosef. The whole world doesn't have Yantiv. But for him, in his time, in his, in his space, there was Yantif. And that's why the Torah specifically alludes to a Shabbos observance, observance with the preparation for Shabbos. The, um, it, it, it's not just that Yosef... Um, the, when the Torah talks about the preparation for Shabbos, when they got the mitzvah uh, of the man, when Hashem gave them the man... Torah says, whatever needs to be baked, should be baked. Whatever needs to be cooked, should be cooked. And you should prepare before. So that extra phrase, you should prepare before, is not talking about the prohibition of working on Shabbos. It's talking about, um, it's talking about designating the day of Shabbos as a holy day, and therefore you have to do unique things on that day. It's about, um, it's about a designation, that this day is different. And, and therefore, you do things before that day because you want to make that day different. It, it, it's not, it, it, there, there is another um, text in the Mechilta uh, which phrases it very different to our Medrash. The Mechilta says, in, in a positive way, the Mechilta says it this way, the Mechilta says, we see from the fact that Yosef prepared for Shabbos that he fulfilled the mitzvah of remembering Shabbos. The Mechilta says it in a positive way. But here the Medrash says it differently. The Medrash says it. We see from here that Yosef did not do things that he couldn't do on Shabbos because he kept Shabbos. He prepared for Shabbos before Shabbos. Why does he need to prepare for Shabbos? Because the day itself was different. 
It's a a different kind of day. It's not just that he is forbidden to work on that day. It's a different kind of... It's not something which is just personal to him as a person, but it's something about the time itself. And therefore, there has to be a unique designation of what happens on that day. So because the day itself is different. The time itself is different for Yosef. Okay. So now let's understand this according to Ptimius and Yonim. Let's go deeper uh, to understand why was it that Yosef himself was chosen to have this unique distinction of all of his brothers. Why did he have a different kind of Shabbos than everyone else? Why was he the only one that experienced Shabbos? Why didn't they? So there's, there's a difference between Yosef and his brothers. Yosef's brothers were shepherds. Why did they choose to be shepherds? Because they wanted to be in a, in a state of serenity and peace and holiness. And what better job than being a shepherd to be alone with Hashem and not to be disturbed with worldly mundane things? That's why they chose to be shepherds. They wanted to be connected with Hashem wherever, in, in, in the field with their sheep. Remember, you want to, want to be a shepherd? What do you think? Maybe. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, Dr. Bressman wants to be a shepherd too. Okay. But I have news for you guys. Yeah. That's, not, that's not what Hashem wants us to do. Oh. And that, we have to be like Yosef. <laughs> Yosef had a different job. He was very involved with the world. He was the, not just the, an accountant for the treasurer for the... Um, for, the, for Egypt, which was then the, the superpower of the world, he was in charge of every detail of Egypt. As Paro said to Yosef, No man can lift his hand or foot without your, without your say-so. He was involved in every detail of Egypt. And yet, despite him being involved in every detail of Egypt, he was completely above the whole of all the surroundings. And he, remained, he, he kept a connection to Hashem um, in a different way than, than everyone else. He was able to bring the holiness of Hashem into the physical world. For them, for the other brothers of, of Yosef, they had to, in order to experience holiness, they had to stay away from the world. Yosef was able to bring the holiness, holiness of Hashem into the mundane. And uh, it was similar to what happens when Hashem gave us the Torah, where Hashem tells us to sanctify the physical world. So because Yosef exemplified the kind of lifestyle that Hashem asks of us post-Sinai, that's why he was, he was given this mitzvah of Shabbos in a way that, that he affected, the, that the time itself was, was, was different. He had something unique. There was a, a decree Hashem made before the giving of the Torah. You can't connect the physical to the spiritual. And yet Yosef, just like in his own personal life, he connected the physical to the spiritual, that's why he was also able and to uniquely bring the holiness of Shabbos down to his time, to his space. This is also, also similar to two levels of Shabbos observance. The Talmud says that the Jewish people keep two Shabbosim, they'll be redeemed. It also means that there are two parts of every Shabbos, two levels within Shabbos. As the author of it says in the conclusion of Tanya, the author of it says there's a physical observance of Shabbos where you're abstaining from work. But Hashem didn't just abstain from action. Hashem created the world with speech. So Hashem stopped saying, so, so Hashem said 10 utterances during the six days of creation. And the seventh day, He ascended, so to speak, from the realm of speech to the realm of, to the realm of thought. He no longer was involved in saying, let there be light, let there be a sky. 
I, or, or any new creations, of course, Hashem has to keep His words in creation every single moment, as it says in Tanya. If the words of Hashem would depart from the sky, the altar says, all the sky would disappear. Then there has to be a constant force of Hashem to keep the sky in existence. But there are no new, new creations on Shabbos and more. Even the ten utterances with which Hashem made the world, they ascend on Shabbos to a higher place. That's why on Friday night we say the words, The heavens and earth ascend to the realm of thought. That means that on Shabbos the world is sustained from Hashem's thought, not from His speech. The words of Hashem ascend to the place of Hashem's thought. So just like Hashem, He, so to speak, His godly energy ascends on Shabbos, and with Hashem's energy, all the mitzvahs, all the Torah that we do throughout the week ascends on Shabbos to a whole new place. And all the divine sparks that we elevate throughout the week ascend to a higher place. Um, which parenthetically, um, this is what Yosef, this, I don't want to get confused over here, but this is also something that Yosef did. Um, what, what Shabbos is to the week is Yosef is to his brothers. Um, during the week, you eat something for the, sake of heaven, for the sake of heaven and you daven with the power of the food so you are causing the, the divine sparks in your food to go to a higher place but there's a limit to how high those divine sparks can go because after all you're a physical person you tasted it you enjoyed it there, there isn't it's not a complete um, uh, departure from the physical. There's, there's, there's a lot of mundane involved even when we do things for the sake of heaven. And that's why there's something called bitter Shani. There's a second elevation that everything has on Shabbos. And that's also what the Torah says about Yosef. That the, the, the tribes were gathering sheaves in the field but all their sheaves bowed down to Yosef's sheep. Yes, the, the, gathering the sheaves means they gathered the sparks of holiness in the world. And they gathered them and they elevated them. But they still need to have a bitter shame, a second elevation through Yosef. Yosef was, was head and shoulders above them. He's able to, to, to cause a, a new kind of elevation beyond what they were able to do. They were able to cause one level of elevation. But Yosef was able to cause something more, something beyond what they, what they could do. That's what Shabbos does. Shabbos brings a, a new kind of elevation. All the things we do throughout the week, Shabbos adds something. Okay, so getting back to the two levels of Shabbos. The altar says in the conclusion of Tanya that just like Hashem stopped um, stopped creating the world or, or, or more accurately the creation of the world ascended from the realm of speech to the realm of thought so the altar says on Shabbos not only are we forbidden to, um, to work on Shabbos we shouldn't either, either speak about anything that's mundane on Shabbos there should be no mundane to talk about all on Shabbos not only things which are forbidden but it's just, it's, it's, it's pastnished. It just, it just doesn't make sense that on Shabbos we should, we should talk about mundane things. I mean, technically in Shulchan Aruch, it says speech is forbidden, thought is allowed, but thinking about, think about mundane things. But the Altima says there's two parts of Shabbos. There is Zachar and there is Shamar. Shamar means negative, don't transgress Shabbos. Zachar is positive, remember Shabbos. So those two things on the surface are don't refrain from working on Shabbos and deeper, remember Shabbos having special food and wear special clothing. And, and, but the Alter Rebbe says Shabbos means refrain from saying words that are mundane on Shabbos. What are you getting involved in mundane things on Shabbos? Remember Shabbos means connect Hashem in your davening, connect Hashem in your Torah, live with Shabbos, go to a different place. So, so Yosef uniquely before the giving of the Torah 
he had already a high level of Shabbos, and he empowers us also to, as the Jewish people are called, as we say on, the, on Thursday, uh, every week, we say, the Jewish people are called Yosef, we're called by Yosef's name, and he empowers us to experience both levels of Shabbos, not just to, to abstain from mundane speech, Shamar, but also Zachar, to connect Hashem with our thoughts in our hearts, in, in our Torah study, in our davening. And as the, as the Gemara says, when the Jewish people keep two Shabbosim, which also means we keep both levels of Shabbos, that brings the redemption in the world, it brings Mashiach in the world. There's something Mashiachtic about keeping Shabbos to this level. There was a, a chassid, Rebuchani Marazov, let's conclude with this. Rebuchani Marazov was talking about the one guy in the city of Lubavitch who didn't keep Shabbos, and he said that we're, we're worse than him because he doesn't know what Shabbos is. He doesn't keep Shabbos. But we, he said, we know the inner meaning of Shabbos. So we waste time on Shabbos. We're, not, we're missing much more than he is. He doesn't know what Shabbos is at all. We know what Shabbos is. So we have to, um, got to be there. Got to be there and, and uh, connect with not just the physical element of Shabbos, but also the spiritual element of Shabbos and to, uh, rise, to the, rise to the deeper part, the deeper element of Shabbos. All right. Any questions or comments? Uh, no, uh, I'm good. All right. Chazak Baruch.